Welcome back, guys. It is Encounter with God time, the best part of the radio show right here where we get into our 20 million movement Bible study. We're about to dig into it. We've got some great, uh, we've got a fantastic Bible study today about the many sides of work. That's the mm. title. I, I just know I'm going to love this subject. The many sides of work. Just check here so we've got any text messages come through. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, shoot us a message if you've got something that you would uh, like to share with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669. Save those numbers in your phone and also grab the app. I was talking to uh, somebody the other day who'd been really wanting to listen to Faith FM for a very, very long time. And so I was like, well, give me your phone and I will download the app for you. And they gave me their phone and I couldn't figure out how to download the oh. app because it was one of these weird phones. What's a weird phone? Is it not an Apple? Are you an Apple person? Yeah, I'm an <laughs> Apple person. But it, was, it wasn't an Apple and it wasn't your standard Android or whatever either. It was, oh. it was something Another weird. option. It was another option. Oh. So they had to take it and get some. But then they got it downloaded and they came to me like, yes, it works and it's amazing. On it. Yeah, we had a friend the other day, Liam and I know, and uh, she was going on a bit of a road trip and she told us that she was downloading the app. Well, actually, she told us she'd listen to it on the radio and then Liam gave her a solid, you're not going to be able to hear it because you're going to be out of reception. So she got the app and she was listening. So that was fun. There you go. And I have news Tell about the app. Uh huh. Is it updated? Is it something yes, new? Yes, it's updated. Mm. If you are looking for it, it is Faith FM Australia still. Okay. Don't get the American one. Yes. Uh, but you're not looking for the red squiggly line anymore. Why? White background, red red squiggly, squiggly line. You are now looking for white background still, mm. but now it says Faith FM. Wait, where am I looking? Right there. Oh, okay. That's handy, actually. Yeah, yeah. fair cool. Fair cool. Yeah. So I was like, but how will I know? Well, because it says nice clearly in... Written words. English words. words. <laughs> yeah, I can it, read. it uses words now. Yeah. Words are great. Pictures are good though because it, you automatically associate something, but words are better if you don't know what the picture is. I like reading pictures. Yes. Yeah. Picture speaks a thousand words. Yeah. They do say that. They do. Mm. And it's true. Depends on the picture. Depending on the picture. This is right. There's a bunch of pictures out there, don't say that. Like, what is that? Yeah. People spend thousands and thousands of dollars for it. Doesn't say a thing. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. Stand in front of it and try and delve into the depths of your soul and discover the meaning of life. <laughs> you know? It's like, I really? do know. I know what you mean. Uh-huh. And there's just nothing there. It's just completely random. Yeah. yeah. Nothingness. No, I there's a bunch care. of um, art critics out there right now that are like, Blasphemy. Lyle is such a bogan. <laughs> So uneducated. Yeah, look. That's all right. If you find meaning in it, that's fantastic. Um, Just don't judge me when I don't. Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But there are many, many images that uh, I do find tremendous meaning in and Mm. do speak uh, an incredible language. And in the Bible, you find that the Bible is full of word pictures. Mm. You think about the books of uh, Daniel and Revelation, for example. 100%. Daniel and Revelation are built around pictures. Yep. Those pictures are brought to us in words. Mm. That's because that was the technology that was available at the time. I believe that if God was giving Daniel and Revelation to us now, uh, he would stream it to us <laughs> and we would see it because see it. these are incredibly visual books mm. and they build a word picture that you can see in your mind's eye and from that word picture you gain so much information. It's, it's, it's one of the why I, I would say the books of Daniel and Revelation are the two most information-dense books. Maybe the only other one that would come close would be 
Hebrews and Leviticus. Because, of course, I they go hand in hand as well. As but Hebrews and Leviticus, Daniel and Revelation, mm. they're, kind of, they're kind of both twins uh, for each other and they are information dense. I would also argue that Ezekiel is Ooh. full of so much. Ooh. It's Yeah, come on, it is. Okay, so this we is... We don't this talk is, this about is it. This is Minnie's favourite book. It is, and it drives me nuts that people don't use it. I'm like, come on, there's so much in it. But it's full of like... I mean, there's visions, but then there's also so much imagery throughout. There's layers on layers on there's layers. There's so much. Yeah. I'm not saying I understand most of it. I'm saying there's so much in there that could be understood. You know, think about how many books there have been written on Daniel and Revelation. Mm. How many books have there been written on Hebrews? Mm. And how many have been written on Ezekiel in comparison? This is why I don't understand. Like, if we don't understand something, should we not seek out how to understand it rather than be like, uh, let's just leave that one for a hot minute. <laughs> I'm like, if you don't get it, that's what you delve into. My other yeah. favourite book, do you want to know my, my favourite books, my top three? Ezekiel, Leviticus, Song of Solomon. Those are my top three. I just think they're so incredible. And there's like, <laughs> Lala's here with a look on his face just being like, huh, interesting. <laughs> We, Not we, quite we, understanding. We, yep. <laughs> okay. But all of those books are so choices. powerful and there's a lot that well, they Solomon layers. is a word picture. Exactly. The whole thing is a word picture. Yeah. It's actually an incredibly creative – it's a very poetically written book. If that was dreamed to us today, mm. it would – Oh, I think people wouldn't be allowed to watch actually. No, it would have yeah. an X rating. Yeah. Yeah. But it's in the Bible because – Human sexuality is an incredibly important and major part of being a human. Mm, mm-hmm. And the Bible speaks about everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible is the book for all things. And and that's I'm going to check this out because I know some people who don't believe it should be in the Bible. They just think it's just it shouldn't be there. It's and too I was like, raunchy for them. Yeah, and I was just like, ah, mm, mm. the Bible clearly says that everything in here is inspired by God. That's right. You cannot pick and choose that just because you think this book is a little bit like not what you think it should be, that it shouldn't be there. God clearly has allowed it to be there. That's right. There's a, there's a tradition that has come to us uh, from the Catholic Church and from the Catholic Church it moved into Protestantism and within Protestantism it actually gained a lot more traction than it did within the Catholic Church and Ooh. was taken to another level again. Yeah. Um, and basically what it comes down to is an, is a... Uh, is an aspect of prudishness. Yeah, yeah. That I will freely put up my my hand and admit that you know I have I grew up with it's part of my culture because that's the heritage that we have received from our Protestant forefathers, mm. and, and where it, where it really originates is this Catholic idea that. The fruit in the Garden of Eden wasn't, wasn't actually a piece of fruit on a tree, but it had something to do with, you know, human sexuality, and they decided to experiment and have sex, and that was the fruit. And so, you know, that's the evil part. What? And so, you know, human sexuality is an evil thing. It's a bad thing. It's something that needs to be repressed. It needs to, you know, we don't talk about that. Um, you this know, makes zero sense. Okay. Zero. It, I know, and it's got what? nothing to do with what the Bible says. And so God's come along and said, okay, humans are going to mess this up. You know, I've created this amazing thing called human sexuality. It's going to be like one of the greatest blessings. It's going to be a foretaste of heaven that humans are ever going to have. And the devil will try and destroy 
anything, mm. that is a huge blessing. So just in case humans mess that up, and because God knows the end from the beginning and he knows they're going to mess it up, <laughs> it's like will. I'm going to put the book of Solom- Song of Solomon in the Bible, mm. which is a huge word picture about human sexuality and how amazing it is. Just to be a, uh, just to try and balance the, well, to bring balance to human beings. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so that's my bit of a rant about the Book of Song of Solomon. I've been asked to preach on the Book of Solom- Song of Solomon this year. You told me about this. I think it's in August. I just passed you. And to be honest, I feel this coming year. Oh, so the coming year. 2021. 2021. Okay. And to be honest, I feel awkward about it. I'm like, why do I feel Dude, awkward about it? You have it? to tell me. I want to listen. And I know when I preach that sermon, I'm going to be standing Other people are going to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm going to be feeling com- uncomfortable. My congregation is going, but why? Yes. Why are we uncomfortable yes. about this? This is this is something incredibly special that God has given to us. Mm. Why, why are we, why, why is this, you know, the unmentionable subject? Yeah. And I, I'm going to have my own little rant now. Okay. Um, so- <laughs> No, 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 no. It won't be that long. But I, uh, so I am not married. I don't have kids, anything like that. I don't. Why I was kind of wondering why I was. No, no, because. No, because it's still a really important part, right? Because we still see very clearly, as you said, one of the biggest factors we can clearly see the devil has a go at is relationships. Yes. And we see imperfection in the garden. Yes. We have Sabbath and we have marriage. Yes. Imperfection. That's right. So that's huge. You start to mess with that. Like, Those are the two things that Satan is going to try and mess with more, more than anything else. 100%. And I know from my experience. That's why from, God put the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments and wrote a whole book about yep, the marriage relationship. 100%. The sec, you know, sexual union. Yep, absolutely. You see how many times in the Bible God references um, his relationship with us like a marriage partnership. Like there is so much in it that I'm like, we need to understand biblically what this idea is because we have missed it. And we're human, so we were going to miss it. But, yeah, I know from my experience just watching my parents, watching friends' parents, watching friends in relationships, you know, me and just relationships, you know, just the things, things get messy real quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not always bad, but there's always some element of we're human, so there's going to be stuff, you know. And I just think, I really believe, <laughs> it sounds quite um black and white of me, and it probably is, but I'm almost at the point where I'm like, if it's not biblical, why are we doing it? I also realise that I'm not a traditions a, person. Okay, there is there is room for traditions. Mm, and traditions can be really good and really healthy. No, they are just not a mandate. But if there's a really good reason for it, if there's no reason, if we do it just because we do, I'm not convinced. Like I actually do. So what you're going back to say about the cultural aspect of or, you know, the historical belief of how mentality has changed or has grown or has we've just taken a part of it, I don't think it's... Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad that there's this kind of um, what was the word you used? Kind of the prudish flavor there, but I think we need to be really clear: is it tradition or is it biblically based? Because it's easy to go, oh, yep, no, we clearly the Bible says. I'm like, yeah, but does it? I'm not saying it doesn't, but does it? It's just something I'm very. We much- would we would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yes, tell us, tell us. We what would you think. love to hear your thoughts on this. So uh, text us, uh, message us, call us. Um, uh, Shall I give the numbers? Yes. Okay, so call us if you would like. We would love to hear from you on 1-800-324-843 or nice and easy, it's 1-800-FAITH-FM or send us a text on 0491-064-669. So now we've had a rant each. Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, it's there fun. is a message that has come through. Yes. 
somebody would like you to write a commentary on the book of Ezekiel. You know what? <laughs> Might take me 10 years to write it, <laughs> but I'm open to it. I don't know if it's Oh, me. there you go. Know. There you know. go. You heard it first on Faith no. FM. What have I done? The announcement, the official announcement, work shall begin on the- No, uh, no, I said I'm open to it. I don't know. That would be a great book. We'll commentary see. on Ezekiel by Minnie Freinfelder. Yes. It, yeah. It would be very much my take. It would not be- I'm very no. different to you. Like, you're, you like what confidently if you did it, what, say what if you did it? What if you did it this way? Well, tell me. Write it as a devotional. That's how I do my devotions. Sort of. So you've already got the book written. Um, no, no, you've, be... got, you've got the skeleton there. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you'd call it. The skeleton it's is a there. Pretty messy, broken bone sort of skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, okay, so um, let me see. Bruce has called in to talk about how that the the Song of Solomon, mm-hmm. uh, which is all about sexuality mm-hmm. and. Um, it relates to us. He's, he wants to say it relates to us procreating, having children, mm-hmm. um, and the devil doesn't have that ability and is jealous, and so he will try and mess it up. Oh, that's an interesting. That's an interesting observation, isn't it? Okay, I have a question which we can come back to not today, but something to think about. Yes. So, this is something I've heard both sides of the argument. Yes. Will there be marriage in heaven, and why or why not? And why does it matter? Okay, the Bible says oh, that we, we will not marry in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. That's clear. That's what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. So that answers that question. So then what was the purpose in perfection of having it in an unfallen world? Okay. So uh, this is what we do know uh-huh. is that we were created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. God is relational. Yes. Uh, relationships are important to God. This is why Satan attacks relationships. Satan attacked relationships in the Garden of Eden in a perfect environment. He attacked them in heaven before the Garden of Eden mm. in a perfect environment. So we know that relation, there is nothing more important to God than relationships. Mm-hmm. And so we know that while marriage will not exist, relationships will exist. 100%. In what form, we don't know, but we do know that it will be amazing. Mm. No, I totally can And that's it. all that matters to me. Yeah, I'm like the Bible is nice and clear, I think. But- now, there are people who go down all kinds of rabbit holes, mm. Uh, on that, with that concept, mm. that I'm just not prepared to go down. It's just like when I get to heaven, I will find out. Yep, we'll know. Um, I have no fear. You know, I love my wife. I've been with my wife for 26 years and a number of days now, and uh, I don't ever want to be separated from her. And some people are like, oh, if there's no marriage in heaven, then I'm going to be separated from the person that I love. Don't believe that either. Mm. I, I, you know, it's like. When I get there, I will find out and I will be happy. And it will be awesome. Whatever it is, it will be awesome. Indeed it will. We're so distracted. Look, it was a great little rabbit hole we went down. <laughs> How do you go with the book of Ecclesiastes? Um, I like it. It's not my favourite, but I find it interesting. Why don't you read for us Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Let's see if we can find something here that can yeah, maybe qualify with up there for favourite verses. <laughs> Okay, Ecclesiastes three. Tell me, tell me whether this will ever, uh, ever be in your say top fifty. Okay, so something I started last week, just habit was to pray before I read the Bible. So I'm just going to say a little quick cheeky prayer. Go for it, uh, Papa Lord God. We just ask that your spirit be with us. We know that you, um, that you are present where we are. Um, we have invited you in, and God, just as we read your word, um, yeah, just open our minds and hearts to your truth and more about who you are and something of ourselves as well. Thank you for hearing these prayers. Amen. Amen. Chapter 3, verse 12, is that what you told me? Yep. Okie dokie, it reads, So I concluded 
There is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. Verse 13. Yep. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Okay, so we have here enjoying the gifts and the fruit of our what? Labor. Labor. Yeah. So when you read what Solomon says here, Solomon is talking about, you know, um, nothing better for people to be happy and to do good while they're alive. Mm-hmm. That's all good. But he's not talking about sitting down and living a life of ease. Mm. He's not saying let's just go on a cruise for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. He's not saying we're just going to live a life of having a holiday. He says, no, you should work and then enjoy the rewards of your work. And those two things go together. Mm. Because here's what you find when people go on a – you know, an eternal holiday and they retire at the age of 30. You know, you mm. get some people who retire at the age of 30. They always fail retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, because they get to 30 and they've got millions of dollars. They're like, well, I never need to work again. Why would I ever work again? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Within mm-hmm. a year or two, they are all working. Get bored real quick. Real fast. Yeah. Human beings were designed to work. Mm. And what happens is, that our times of rest and our times of enjoying the fruits of our work are meaningless Mm. without work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's also on the flip side of that is when people work for quite oppressive bosses, we'll say, and they don't really get to enjoy their fruit of their work. That's also a hard place to be. You know what I mean? Like I think that balance is really important. Like – what that work that you're doing looks like is going to be different for everyone. Like you're doing radio, someone else's – I feel actually that it's not productive, but I'm studying to, in theory, have like work. But I'm like, what am I even doing with my life? How am I contributing? But, you know, you, you I think have that manifest in a whole bunch of different ways, but having that sense of purpose is still so crucial. Absolutely. Mm. Hey, someone texted in on our previous conversation Oh yeah. to make a really interesting observation. Oh, yeah. The Bible says we're in heaven for a thousand years. Yes. There's no marriage in heaven. Oh. Yeah. Think Ooh. about that. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I see where they're going That's with this thought. one. That's yeah. a really, really cool thought. What, what about the new earth? Yeah. So you de- well, I don't know if it's mentioned. It's not. Oh, I've never thought about this. Good comment. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've had a bunch of support come in for Minnie's book on the book of Ezekiel. <laughs> Yes, that I'm apparently going to write. <laughs> yeah, I'm super looking forward to this. Um, Minnie's devotional book on the book of Ezekiel or commentary on the book of Ezekiel, one of the two. You know, the thing is, so you know how a lot of times commentaries are quite, like they're great. I yes. love commentaries, but you, like they're thinking books. Yes. I love them. Can show I, I to see, read them. I see you writing. I see like you a story writing, time, right? <laughs> I see you writing a devotional book on yeah. the book of Ezekiel. Ooh. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, 365 yeah. days. Yep. I, oh. can, I can see you doing that. Yeah. Man, there were so many chapters when I was reading it for my devotions the earlier this year. Minnie's Reflections. Like, this is so cool. I have a title, a working title for your book. Oh, here we go. It's Minnie's Reflections on the Book of Ezekiel. Oh, I like it. All right. Because that way you don't have to be a commentary. Mm-hmm. You're just reading some passages huh. and having some spiritual reflections on it, which is, that's what I see. I could be wrong. You know what? Oh, no, I'll make no promises. I'll make no promises. No, 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 no. You've, you've, you've said it. It's on no, air. We I have said, all heard it. I said I'm open to it. But you know, when I was a kid, I desperately wanted to be an author. I used to just write books all the time. 
Problem was, I'm very, again, a bit all, not, all or nothing. I remember once I read a book, I wrote 300 page, pages and I was like, you know what, it's a bit average, so then I burnt it. So I have no idea what it was about. I just remember that I wrote, I spent weeks writing this book. Anyway, what's the point of talking this? The idea of writing I actually do indeed love. Um, so maybe I just will in my little spare time. I will um, have a little think, have a little reflection, have a little journal. We'll see what happens. Maybe something will come out of it. <laughs> maybe nothing. Look, if it does, you guys will be the first to know. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I just want to, uh, just want to hear about it. I just Aren't want you to, writing I a just, book? I haven't actually. I haven't touched it since July. I need to get back to it. Mm. Yes, but have you written a 300 page book already? Another 65 pages. You know, <laughs> that was also a long time ago. <laughs> I was like uh, maybe 14. <laughs> but you've already done it once. You can do this again. Yep, is that how it works? <laughs> okay, so you just need to map out 365 mm-hmm. days, go through the book of Ezekiel and find out 365 things that jump out at, out at you from the pages of Ezekiel, note them down at the top of each one of those pages, mm-hmm. and then just write a page a day. Mm-hmm. You know what? I will say this. I will start. I make no promises. I am so I make no promises of accountability. So excited. <laughs> I am so excited. You have no idea. And here's the other thing that I'll say is this: um, I will almost guarantee that every book, that nearly, that probably ninety percent of books out there written on the Book of Ezekiel are written from a male perspective. And I'm going to say this: I've never ever read myself a book on the Book of Ezekiel written from a woman's perspective. Hmm. And I think that would actually be really cool. So you're going to me. So you can't, people can't put ideas in my head because I'm a daydreamer. I'll run with it. I'm like, oh, I no, seriously. This. Have you ever? Have you? I have. Does never. anybody? Can anybody? Can anybody text or call and tell us the the uh, name and title of a book or a commentary or a devotional on the book of Ezekiel mm. written from a woman's perspective? I I don't know anyone. <laughs> See, but there you, guys you go. Let us I'm know. right. Yeah, he doesn't know anyone, so I am right. <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> okay, so we were in Ecclesiastes. Yes. Talking about working and enjoying the fruits of your labour. Okay. Are, are we moving on to a different verse or did you have anything yes. else you want to add yes. to that? Yes. Okay. Well, why not? Well, let's move okay. on. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's go here and let's go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19. Nice. Genesis 3 and verse 19. We're talking about the dignity of labour. Mm, ooh, that's a really good way to explain it actually. Yes. Dignity of labour. Uh, so by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Okay, so this was something that was given to Adam after sin came into the world. Does that mean that before sin was in the world, Adam was on, on eternal holiday? Well, no, because he was still given the purpose of being a caretaker in That's the garden. That's right. In fact, if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, let's flick out back over there very quickly, and you're going to find that, uh, let me see here, verse 15. Why don't you read for us chapter 2, verse 15? I can. So the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the uh, fruit of the tree. So that's not really the verse we need. It was his job was to tend and watch over the garden. That's right. So he wasn't put there on an eternal holiday. Mm. If you've ever tried tending a garden, (laughs) there's a lot of work in that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, man's first job was agriculture. And I think that most people can really enjoy and gain a benefit from agriculture, getting... Our hands in the dirt is um, there's just something uh, 
something that super cathartic about it. Hey? It is. It yeah. is. It's great for your mental health. Absolutely. One of the best things for your mental health is to just get out in the get your hands in the dirt and go Play and grow something. Dirt. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? You're playing in the dirt, but it's also then you get to see something come out of it. There's something that's right. really satisfying. And then you get to eat it. Uh-huh. How good is that? Unless you're growing flowers, which I've never seen the point of. But <gasps> I'll tell you what the point is. So my mum and grandma. I, I, I blaspheme there. Yeah. So they're both great gardeners and uh-huh. they – for I was also – as a kid we had to do weeding. I was like, this is the worst. Who has gardened? Now both my brother and I are like, we need gardens. This is amazing. But – they have done just a really cool flower ministry. Um, I think my grandma and mum know every person, not just in our block, but the whole way down all the different streets. They know who's new, who's not new. They always take – mum's kind of a little bit of a self, self-taught self florist, so nice. she makes up bunches. Yep. Um, but it's such a good point. It's kind of your in, right? If you just go knock on a new person's door, they can be like, oh, hey, thanks for the welcome. You go with a gift in your hands, they're like, oh, Yes. Thank you. Yes. You know, so I've seen that be a really cool ministry, but also I personally probably couldn't be bothered. <laughs> They're beautiful, but I'd rather them do it themselves. Just uh, all good. Yes, I don't know where I was going with that thought. No, I, I just flowers are well worth growing. Yes, worthwhile. Yes, yes. So work is a solid Anglo-Saxon word with no frills. Yes, uh, one syllable in English. Mm-hmm. Yet it has a lot of different meanings. Mm-hmm. Think about how many different meanings, you know, of necessity work to put food on our tables, pay bills, save a little bit for hard times, all that kind of thing. Um, and losing a job can be worse than putting up with, you know, even a bad work situation at times. Mm. So um, it often defines who we are. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, you, you, particularly us guys, when uh, you know somebody, when, when we meet another guy, we start to have a conversation. Like you know, we're introduced to each other. Oh, this is your name. This is my name. Oh, yeah. What do you what do? What do you do? Yeah, that's where you start. Go to. And of course, as soon as you find out what the other person does, you instantly have an impression of the kind of person they are. Mm. Are they a tradie? Are they an academic? That's going to give you two different pictures in your mind of mm. the kind of person that you're having a conversation with. Yeah. Do they work on radio? What does what what category does that even fit in? I don't even know. <laughs> but you're right because I don't know. Have you had seasons ever of being unemployed? Because I remember, oh, I might have been about nineteen, and I put out heaps and heaps of resume. I had nothing back. I couldn't even. It was probably a couple of months, maybe maybe even more, maybe three or four months, and it hit me so hard that I was like, "What am I doing here?" I didn't want to hang out with anyone because I was like, "What what will I tell them that I do?" Like it just and it, I didn't know my identity was so much in what I do until I didn't have really much I could say because, like, I wasn't working, so I couldn't say this is what I do at work. Because I wasn't working, I, I, could, I didn't even have money to be like, oh, well, I'm going here or investing in this or, do, you know, anything. And I was just like, this is the worst. <laughs> like, yeah, and it, But you're right. It's interesting how much that really impacts us, what yes. we do or don't do. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. And um, I – no, I've never been unemployed. Mm. That's a good thing. And, you know, when my youngest son decided they didn't want to be at school anymore in year 10, I'm like, mm. that's good. You don't, your school is destructive for you. <laughs> so you need to get out. Yeah. And uh, it's like, okay. Well, so he finished on Wednesday and on Friday, he started door knocking for a job and got offered four by the end of the day. Nice. Yes. And, um, yeah, so I think that's how we need to uh, work is given to us as a gift from God. Mm. It keeps us sane. And it is just a huge blessing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, it is now time for... 
question of the day. Okie dokie. So the question is essentially when God makes a promise to us, how much do we have to fulfill? In, how much do we have to do to fulfill that promise? Okay, there was some context uh, yes, in relation to Yes, there was. This. So some different examples, like for instance, when Abraham is given the promise of land and descendants, yes. uh, he kind of takes upon himself to go, oh, yes, I must do something about this. And obviously we have the Hagar situation. That's and right. God is like, mm, no, that, that is not what I meant, actually. But then we have other times with the Israelites where you know God goes, yes, this is the land I'm giving you, but you have to go to battle. You have to show up and fight. So there's kind of... There is some context so around you, this. You things. are seeing a tension between mm. the two. I'm going to say there's no tension between the two. Okay, tell us more. I'll also say that it was no, it was not God's intention for the Israelites to have to fight for their land. Ooh, okay. They fought for their land because of their disobedience. Wow, okay. Originally, what God said was this, and you'll find this in Exodus 23 and verse 28. I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. So God's original intention was that he would simply drive the nations out of this land and Mm. the Israelites would go in and just take possession without having to fight. Wow, okay. So that's going to add another layer Mm -hmm. to your question about God's promises Mm -hmm. and our involvement with those promises. And this, what basically what it highlights is the conditional nature of both prophecy and promises. Ooh, okay. Yep, I pick it up with Ben Dan. Continue. So on. you think about you think about you know Jonah is your classic example. Yeah. Uh, what did God prophesy? Well, forty go. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I will destroy. And Nineveh will be destroyed. Was Nineveh destroyed in forty days? No, because conditional because they repented. Exactly. So he doesn't need to destroy the conditional it. nature of yes, prophecy. Yes. Okay. Okay, and it's exactly the same thing with God's promises. Mm-hmm. There are conditions involved with God's promises. In fact, you know, if you look at the classic promise that God will forgive us of our sins. If we confess. What was mm. the first word of that? If we confess. If. Yeah, he's faithful. If we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Fantastic promise right there. Mm-hmm. An unequivocal promise of God. God will ne- never back down from his promises, but that does not mean that his promises don't have conditions attached to them. Yes. Yep. No, I see what you're saying. Okay, so when you look at the children of Israel, for instance, yes, they should have walked into the promised land and found it empty, the inhabitants having been driven out by hornets. Mm. But because of their rebellion and because of their disobedience to God, God was like, no, you're going to have to fight for it. Mm. Interesting. Just a little side note to what we were talking about with uh, if we don't work, we don't always enjoy the results. Do you think they would have valued it if they had just gone in? Or because they would have trusted God, they would have seen that it was always a gift and had that gratitude. You know, uh, just knowing a little bit about human nature, <laughs> which you and I have experienced, mm-hmm. you do have to wonder that whether they would have really appreciated it in the way that they should have if God had given it to them as a gift. Mm. We generally do not appreciate gifts in the same way we appreciate things that we work for. Yeah. And you see that probably most clearly rec- clearly demonstrated in people who win the uh, lotto. Yes. They do not value it. It's gone in three and a half years on average. They're back to where they started because they didn't work for it, they don't value it, and it just disappears. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.